So there was the study of this teacher that divided the class in two and gave the task of half of the class to make the best pottery, the best pot that they could make. And the other half to make as many as they could. So they said to half of the class, we're going to grade you for quality. So try to make the best you can, one. And the other half of the class, make as many as you can. We're going to grade you on quantity. And at the end of that semester, then what happened is that the people that focus on quantity ended up with the better quality pots. So you've caught on. You've realized that the digital real estate game is taking over the physical real estate game. What I mean by that is every real estate transaction that occurs these days starts with a digital asset, such as this phone. Whether it's an interface, whether it's a software, whether it's a system, whether it's the MLS, whether it's an Airbnb or Verbo, it starts with a digital touch point. So in the digital asset series, we are gonna talk about marketing. We're gonna talk about digital marketing. We're gonna talk about content. We're gonna talk about branding. We're gonna talk about the very own things or verticals that lead to real estate transactions, which you will realize that the majority of them are all virtual. This is why we're starting this segment because as important as we understand physical real estate is and will always be indestructible because people will always need a place to live, we understand that now technology is playing a whole different ball game in the real estate space and you want to make sure that you have this on your tool belt and you understand how to leverage these digital assets so that you can have these experiments that can then lead to these physical assets. Now the same rules of the game apply as they always do in the lab. Get your white coat on, gloves on, notepad, and let's build y'all. experiment what is happening y'all today i have the pleasure of having nick velasquez in the lab with us did i get that right brother i want to make sure the listeners are appreciative of the culture that we currently have here in the lab yes ruben that's right thanks a lot for having me absolutely welcome to the lab man and we were just talking about this um offline how you're currently dialing in from you are in in quebec at the moment right yes montreal quebec Montreal, Quebec. So shout out to all the Canadians out there. As you guys know, we spent some time out there as well. I'm from Ottawa. I was just telling Nick that. So I always like it when it, there's that mutual connection that happens. The lab comes full circle. So Nick, brother, thanks for dialing in. Listen, I, I want to give you the introduction that you deserve. And I want to give a shout out to Nick as well, because we got two Nicks in the lab now. And, you know, you guys know we had Nick. I, got, I can't remember the episode we had Nick in, but it, it's been a pleasure to have him in our network. That's Nick Hutchinson. And now he introduces to Nick in his corner, uh, who is the uh, author of Learn, Improve, and Master, which I'm really excited to talk about, and also the founder of the UnlimitedMastery.com, also a real estate investor. We were talking about that offline as well. And what I love uh, is that, you know, the foundations that you utilize on a day-to-day basis and that you've used in your book and that you use in your day-to-day business is something that I think we can benefit from as well uh, for all of our listeners, whether it's in real estate or in our business ventures. So uh, we are excited to have you in the lab with us. And Nick, I want to welcome you, man. What's going on? Thanks, Ruben. Thanks so much for having me. It's all good here. All good here. All good here. So let's start, man. This, this is an interesting topic. So 
let, let me ask you, you this book, Learn, Improve, and Master, it, when, did, when did this publish? Is this something that's recently new, recently, uh, was recently published? It, it was launched last year, so around July or so of last year. So right in the middle of the pandemic was a good time because it's about learning skills. So everyone was stuck at home trying to learn either to play guitar or something else. Um, so yeah, that's when it came out. What was the motivation? Because I want to give give the listeners some context. And, and, and typically I say, okay, tell us a little bit. But I like to give a little bit of context of where, where this was coming from. So when you wrote this, were you writing it more for yourself? Were you writing it for your old self? Were you writing it for someone who's just like you, who doesn't look like you? What, what, what were you thinking when you were writing this book? Right. So I've always been obsessed with learning. I was picking up hobbies all the time. And I was frustrated by how how long the process took. So it's like how difficult it was going from knowledge into skill. One thing is knowing a lot about something and another thing is knowing how to do it. So you can know a lot mm. about painting, but not know how to paint at all. Uh, so it's transferring that knowledge into skill that was frustrating. I was taking too long. So I figured there's too much I want to learn and the process is not very efficient. So I started researching learning science. So how to learn, how we learn, and ideally, I wanted to find a book that I eventually wrote because I couldn't find something like that. So, but I wanted to create a manual for my life. I wanted to condense all this information into some manual that I could use for anything I wanted to learn in the future. And halfway through the process, like a couple of years into this research, I figured if I'm going to do all this work, um, I might as well just put it out there and solve the problem for other people because I'm sure I'm not the only one frustrated by how long it can be to learn something new. That's kind of how the book came about. So all in all, it was about eight years, something like four years of research. And then the other four just writing here and there and then really taking on the last two years on the writing. And I had to learn writing along the way too, which was interesting. Mm. <laughs> so so Nick, I'm, the, the first thing that comes to mind is like when you're saying all oh, this is learn, I think learning it comes with a purpose. And I know you use the word mastery. So when you're saying the you know how long it takes to learn are you are you are we talking about mastering a craft or are we talking about just learning it so we feel we're competent enough what are we talking about here just to, so we understand yeah so when i talk about learning something i'm just talking about getting to a point of competence because mastery is really not a destination so you never reach mastery mm. just going through you're trying to go as far as you can until you drop dead and that's mastery it's just the path but not a destination and no master call himself a master. Uh, everyone, even the greatest ones, they know there's more to do, more to learn, more to improve. Okay. That's interesting. Cause you know, I'm glad we're going here because when we talk about experts, when we talk about mastering, when we talk about, Oh, I'm an expert in this, or my niche is that in this day and age, when information is so available to us, you know, what do you define is competence, right? Because I could watch five YouTube videos and read five articles and this, you know, that maybe would put me, you know, probably that would probably give me a good idea, depending on what it is. Because I know that we, we can kind of accumulate knowledge in a, in a different way. What's your definition of that, of, of, of being competent? Well, a very visual example would be, um, imagine you're learning how to ride a bike. Mm. And at one point you don't fall and you're able to take turns and you feel comfortable riding that bike. It doesn't mean you're a professional cyclist. It doesn't mean you can mm. handle high speeds. It doesn't mean you can do tricks and stuff like that. But you have a handle on the basics and you're comfortable with them. 
that to me is kind of the basic proficiency. It's like, do you know the basics and do you feel comfortable enough to execute those basis? basics? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Were you trying to, what, so you said you constantly like to learn and, and my guess is that you've obviously done a lot of things before, you know, uh, you know, being competent. And I think that's part of the challenges as well as getting started when you're not ready. Uh, what, what is, you know, one way you think people should look at that? Cause there's two sides. There's like analysis paralysis that you're just trying to learn and you're not taking yes. any action. And then there's like failing forward. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. curious. I mean, you see the sign behind it's like experiment, fail, learn, yep. repeat. Right. Yes. So where do you stand as far as like what you think, how one should go about being competent? Well, different things there. So one is that we tend to obsess about the middle of the road, like the mm-hmm. middle of the journey. And the middle is going to look very different when you get there. So for example, me, let's say learning real estate, I was thinking, well, what am I going to do when I have all these other units? And I, I would obsess about the management and how difficult it was going to be. Like, dude, focus on buying one or two. And then you'll realize that as you're doing it, it looks different because now you're living it. So when we imagine those scenarios, they might look more like scarier than they really are when we get there. There is a progression. So I usually think of don't worry so much about the middle. Think about the end, which is your end goal, and think about the beginning, which is getting started. So those are the two main points where you keep your attention. Then the middle, don't worry so much about it because it will reveal itself as you go. And tied to that is the learn as you need. Like mm. you don't need to learn very complex strategies if you don't really know the basics. If you're lear- an example here would be if you're learning martial arts, you don't need to learn a, a fancy kick if you don't know the basic one. So like, don't waste your time there because now is when you get the, the paralysis of analysis. Or like, which kick am I supposed to throw? Wait, don't learn 20 if you don't know how to throw two good ones. So it's learning as you need it. Like, go through the progression. But sometimes you fall into this trap of wanting to learn more than the level we're at. And we go way too far. And that's when we become frustrated, paralyzed. Uh, it seems too daunting. And then we fail to start because we just think of failure and all the things that we don't know how to do. So like learn as you need it. Try what? to be disciplined in how much you learn. Mm, mm. I love that. Why, why do you, why do you think, why do you think we go there? Like, why do we, why, why are we, you know, and I'm sure you've studied a lot of this and in going into your research. Why do you think the mind or the average person, or we typically go to that, middle ground why, why are we skipping that step do you know why i would say that there are two reasons for it one of course is curiosity if we are in a subject we like we want to learn as much as we can about it and let me make a distinction here because it's okay to brush through it like understand what is out there but not necessarily going to it so in the example of martial arts it's okay for you to see the other kicks and how they're done and maybe like try one or two just for the sake of it but don't go deep into it so like, it's okay to learn things that are beyond your level or just brush through them, explore them, but not necessarily spend too much on them because you don't need them yet. And by the time you need them, it's going to be so long that you're going to have to relearn them. So mm. it's okay to explore, explore as much as you want, but don't start studying things that you're not going to need for years. Because first of all, it, it's just going to make you um, be so doubt your skills, first of all, it's going to feel overwhelming. Uh, it's going to give you that paralysis. And still, you're not there yet. So 
for me, it was okay if I was exploring what is the management involved in 100 units, but I didn't need to learn all the ins and out of it because I was not there yet. So it's okay to explore, not necessarily to dig deep into it. So that's one, I think it's curiosity. The other one is the active procrastination. We're afraid to take the steps we need to take. So we think, oh, you know what? I just need another book. I just need to take another seminar. I just need to learn this other subject. And we feel productive because we're learning about our subject. But in reality, those are things we don't need yet. So it's another way to procrastinate and trying to avoid taking the hard steps that we know we need to take. So for me, before I started, I remember just reading more and more books. It's like, oh, I need to read this other book. I'm not ready yet. I was ready, but I was scared. And instead of sitting down and saying, I'm scared and, and just facing the things, I would just occupy my time with more knowledge and more books and more things that I didn't need. So that's the other reason is a way of active procrastination. I'm glad you went there, Nick, because um, first of all, you're, you're hitting so many good points. I'm writing down notes as you're speaking here. Uh, one thing I'm thinking is, What's an indicator for for because we like to give tactical advice? I mean, I think you 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 hit the nail on the head already, but I want you I want you to echo it for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what is an indicator that you might be? I think the word is procrastination. At the end of the day, what's an indicator so people who are listening might be like, "Oh my god, I I totally am doing that," and maybe I thought this would be the next step, but it really isn't. I'm lying to myself. What what do you think is that indicator? I think is if you're learning about a particular tactic or strategy or something, let's say in your investing career, and you're not going to be applying it within the next month or two months, you're probably, you're probably out of it. It's okay. Again, if you explore it, just brush through it, understand what's out there, what it's possible, but don't start studying. Let's say if you're in stock trading and you're going to get into options, maybe you're learning basic calls and puts, but don't be learning multi-leg options. If you're still six months away from doing any of that. Understand what they are, explore a little bit, see what's possible, keep it in the back of your head. So it's like, I understand what's out there and what can be done, but studying it in depth, if you're not going to use it for the next six months, it's a waste of time. You're procrastinating. Nick, you're making me want to re, re, rebrand my entire podcast right now and call it the next step. Like, <laughs> no, I'm serious. This is, I love that you gave, see, see, I ask that question sometimes. Not everybody gives me that juice that I'm looking for. That one to two months, I think is such a good rule um, because I actually operate in quarters uh, personally for, for our goals and our company goals and stuff like that. Okay. Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. And then you're just kind of stepping now. I, I'm so excited. I've been saving this question as you've been talking because I, I'm guys, I'm in the lab. I'm taking notes because I got a chance to be with a gentleman like Nick, who's obviously done a lot of the legwork for us when it comes to, you know, learning and improving and mastering that one of the f- things that I love that you said is learn as you need, which we're hearing right now is anywhere from one to two months. And I actually love that. You know, I think it could be what, maybe two weeks for someone, three months, call it what you want, but that's a great, I think, foundational, like, you know, timeline to follow. I like that one. Now, the thing that you said in the beginning though, was that you need to know your beginning and your end and not start in the middle. Now, the end is a big, big, big question mark because I still, this is going to be a personal question, even for myself. I still struggle with that sometimes. And I would love to hear what your thought process is on the difference between having ambitious goals and then 
having a kind of like a um what is that uh, like an anchor point or a, a or a what is it a bullseye or a target point like a like a point that you know what i want to get to this i don't know how yet and it's kind of way out there they call it a big hairy audacious goal right it's out there mm-hmm. how should i set up that how should i should i even set something up because i've heard even my coach he, he doesn't believe in goals which is really interesting uh because he kind of believes in that process what are your thoughts? Yes. I want to hear. You didn't mention it. You didn't go into depth on it. This is your chance right now. I want to hear. What are your thoughts of how to define that end goal? All right. Sounds good. Let's turn it into a discussion because I think it's also something that I struggle with sometimes like that I, mm-hmm. I think a lot about. So on one side, when I say think of the end and think of the beginning is the end would be kind of your compass. It's like, what are you trying to achieve? um a simple compass, example that's the word be, wise man compass i was looking for the word yes. i'm like target <laughs> anchor bullseye it's compass guys that's what it is yes. absolutely thank you so for me let's say i wanted to publish a book and i yeah. didn't know exactly what the end product was going to be how it was going to look like but i knew the end goal was i wanted to publish this book and then you kind of say okay what's the beginning is just get started start writing but if I start thinking, if I start reading about how to line edit and how cover design is like, you're years away from that. Yes. You're procrastinating at that point. Yeah. Um, so for certain things, and then once you know that you want to publish that book, then you focus on the process. It's just sit down every day, write every day. No matter what happens, no matter if you feel good, if you're motivated, not motivated, whatever happens, you focus on the process. And then the quality of the process leads to the quality of the result. If what you're doing every day is up to quality, then your end product would be up to quality. Um, so that's something that I try to keep in mind is like quality of the process above everything. And then we have to divide this idea of the goals because maybe financial goals are not the same as your creative goals. I didn't care how long it was going to take me to publish my book, but I knew what kind of quality I wanted to have. So that was one thing, but maybe for your financial goals, maybe for your quarter goals, as you were talking about in your company, then you have set targets of like, this is kind of the revenue that I want to get to. This is the timeline. Uh, what do we need to do? And then you invert, invert, invert. You're reverse engineering how to get there. So I think it really depends is what exactly in your life are you trying to measure or what you're trying to accomplish? Because that's going to determine if it should be a goal or if it should be mostly focused on the process. I want to keep writing for the rest of my life. I don't know if I'm going to be publishing more books. Maybe. But what I care about is I sit down and I write. So there's really no end goal. I do it because it brings a lot to my life. It brings me joy. I'm more calm. I'm more centered when I write. It's something that I want to get good at. And I don't really have that end in mind of like, where is this going to take me? But that's on writing. Let's say with real estate, it was different. Like I knew what thresholds I wanted to hit. So I think like most things in life, and this is what's hard to talk about in any regular interview because people love black or white answers. It's not, and it's most not. of the time it's just shades of gray. So yeah. like, should I set goals or should I not? Well, it depends. What are we talking about? Well, what, well, talking what do you think? All right, well, well, let's let's go into yeah. that because I, I don't mind yeah. being in that gray area because I, I want to have this discussion. It's not even an interview. It's, it's, it's an open discussion. Yes. Um, do you agree? Like, this is actually just just literally you and I right now just, just thinking about this. Are you yeah. a quantity or you're because you said quality, but I'm curious. Quality. Are you really a quantity guy or a quality? Quality. But then I'm quality really? in the sense. Uh, I think I'm quantity, by the way. 
there is this interesting study where some quality leads to quality. So if you're learning to paint quality leads to quality, quantity leads to quality. Yeah. That's why I'm a quantity guy. Yes. But well, now, cause there is a caveat there. Okay. Okay. So okay. Then, Nick hit us. What you got in the beginning when you're learning a skill, uh-huh. it's all about quantity. Yeah. Get your reps in. Exactly. So if you're learning how to paint is just do as many paintings as you can. Don't focus on making one perfect one or one really good one. So there was the study of this teacher that divided the class in two and gave the task of half of the class to make the best pottery, the best pot that they could make. And the other half to make as many as they could. So they said to half of the class, we're going to grade you for quality. So try to make the best you can one and the other half of the class make as many as you can. We're going to grade you on quantity. And at the end of that semester, then what happened is that the people that focus on quantity ended up with the better quality pots. Wow. So that's, that's points for me right. right there. That's points for me. Exactly. <laughs> but, but we're not done yet. Okay, let's go. <laughs> what you got? What you got? So then this is because you're building the, the basics of your skills. So those motor mm. skills, these people that they took in the class, they had never made pottery before. So they had no idea what was involved. So if you're trying to make something really good with no skill, it's going to turn out really bad. But then the other ones were focusing on developing the skill first. But if you take two people with high skill, then the one that spends most time in trying to make quality is going to make the better quality one. There he is. So that's that's when you make the switch. When you already right. have the skill, now you're spending a long time building one masterpiece. So if you take Michelangelo, it was yeah. better that he worked on the existing chapel ceiling for years on end than making a thousand small paintings. So masterpieces in the end involved a lot of time and they're focused on quality, but that's after you develop the skills. So that's the gray area there. It's never as simple as the black and white. It depends. Yeah. All right. I, I'm, I'm let's, let's go there. Cause I, cause I, cause you mentioned it. I wasn't going to go there, but I want to go there. Should I in this day and age, do I want to get as many reps in as possible? So I'm competent in the process and then partner or hire out. What are your thoughts on that? Cause I, maybe this is, I, I hit you left field with this. Like we talk about mastering, mastering, and then there's people who talk about, well, you should hire or partner with someone who's not as good as you. Like, does that come in at any point someplace? Or you're talking about a lot of individual kind of mastery, internal, external. Does that come in when we talk about like creating an empire, an an empire, is it um, empire? Jesus, I'm I'm struggling today. An empire. Um, Yes. Does that come into play at all in your, in your, in your world and in your theory? So I think that uh, the parts of our business that we're not so passionate about, those are the ones that we get to delegate. uh, We get to partner up, we get to do other things. And then we try to master the things that we really enjoy because mastery also involves that you make so many sacrifices that if you don't enjoy what you're working on, you will always be at a disadvantage. Um, But let's Mm -hmm. say for things I was offered to, do uh, like ghostwriting and it's like no i want to do my own writing i want to become a good writer so what was the point for me of hiring someone if part of my journey is that i wanted to become a writer mm-hmm. so you, th- there was no point on hiring someone to write the book for me 
But for someone else that maybe has a business and wants to write a book or have a book out there, but are not passionate about writing, they can hire someone to do it for them. So it really depends again, like which areas do you want to focus on? You wouldn't hire someone to take care of, to play with your kids. Why? Because you love that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it really depends on which. I hope so, at least. I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, with I you on this. <laughs> <laughs> so th there are things that we wouldn't hire other people to do for us because those are things that we enjoy. Those are things that brings us fulfillment, that brings us value. So I think for those ones, we we try to reduce everything else, and then we focus on the things that either create the most impact or that provides the most value to our lives, whether it's financial or enjoy or challenge, whatever it is. So I kind of try to think about that way. It's like, what are the main points in my life that bring me the most value and then focus on those, everything else, try to hire someone or partner up with someone. Hmm. Interesting. So now for someone who's listening, who's like, okay, I'm interested in a lot of things and I would like to be really good at one thing. Um, you know, I, I have this theory, but I, which I, I would love to share with you after I hear what you want to say, sure. what you have to say, because sure. you're the, you're, you're the one with all the knowledge here and I'm here to listen. So as far as when someone is trying to get to mastery, but you know, I, and I, well, maybe I'll give a little bit of context. I think sometimes we ask children perhaps, or even young adults, like, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I don't know. I haven't done enough stuff. So I don't know what I want to do. What, what do you, what have you seen or have you experienced is, is one way for you to, you know, once you've dabbled maybe in a lot of different things as entrepreneurs, you know, that's who we're catering to right now. We get all these ideas. How do you narrow in? I, I heard you talk a little bit about fulfillment, you know, but, but which is interesting because sometimes what fulfills you is not necessarily what you're good at. So yes. there's a lot of pieces there. What is, you know, what have you seen with your research or your book with your experience, life experience is one way for one to narrow in on, on one thing. Uh, and, and maybe it's a few things, but maybe it less than too many things. Uh -huh. Well, a couple of things there. First of all, we do need to do some exploration. So dabbling into a few things to see where we feel more comfortable to see what we like. So I, I talk about in the book of an example of, I, I was having a, a coffee with a friend and we saw a plane passing by and she said, it must feel really good to fly a plane. And I'm like, yeah, it must feel really good. And the following week I signed up for flying lessons. That's the kind of person I am. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> but after a while I realized that it was not the experience I was looking for. Like I thought it was going to be this carefree, you're in the air, you can do whatever you want. And in reality, there's a lot of planning, weather patterns and um, like doing these calculations, planning your route, where you're going to go, and then communication with the tower, all these wow. things, and there are limitations where you're supposed to go, where you can't go. I'm already disinterested, Nick. Thanks. Thanks for so, saving us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but some people like that. And after a while, it does yeah. give you that sense because everything else becomes sacred nature. But yeah. when I tr tried it, I felt this is very different from what I imagined. So sometimes we think that something is very enjoyable. And then when we try it out, we realize not so much. And also we need to make the distinction between the performance and the practice. So maybe you see a musician on stage and you think that looks awesome. That's what I want to do. But in reality, for every hour you see them on stage, they were probably 10 hours behind it practicing alone in a room, scales or stuff like that, that is 
tedious and repetitive. So if you don't enjoy the practice, you're going to be miserable. People think that writing, writing, for example, is you going to a cabin and just the worst is flowing through you and it's such a bohemian life. No, it's painful. The art of writing is rewriting and editing. And that's like trying to solve a puzzle that's fighting back. So if you don't enjoy that part, then, <laughs> then you're not going to be into it. So one part of the equation is exploration. You go into yeah. different things and you realize what's really behind the smoke and mirrors of the performance. What's really how it's practiced, what's really involved in those skills or in those fields. Second part of it is that passions, we don't find a passion. We, we develop a passion. We work on it. It's like a relationship. You see someone you're attracted to. That first attraction is telling you, hey, go talk to that person, see who they are. But then a relationship is built and it's built through sacrifices, built through some pain, it's built through some uh, friction. And so it's the same with our passions. Sometimes we find something and we have that initial attraction. Doesn't mean it's going to be joyful all the time. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy all the time. But we start building that relationship and then you enjoy the challenges that they bring. Writing brings me a lot of suffering. And I love that suffering for some reason. Mm -hmm. But it's only the one that writing brings to me. I, I feel like it's such a challenge and it's difficult. But at the end of the day, when you really craft that sentence or that paragraph the way you want it to, that feeling is amazing. So to close that up with a quote from Hemingway, he used to say, I don't enjoy writing. I enjoy having written. Many of our passions are that way. We don't enjoy it necessarily in the moment, but the challenge that it brings, the afterthought, the, the way we feel when we've done it, it's amazing. Same with exercising. I, I work out every day and there's not a day that I enjoy it. There's not a day that I wake up and I think, this is so awesome. I get to work out. No, I hate it. And then when I finish, like, this is awesome. I love that. <laughs> oh, my God. This is like such a, um, this is such a, like, it, it's such a good re reflection point on, on life, period. It, it, what you're saying, it's, whew, let's unpack this. So one of my favorite books is um, The Millionaire Fast Lane by MJ DeMarco. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. No. Uh, oh, you love it. Because he talks about uh, people fall in love with the event and they don't see the process. So it's kind of like, oh, man, it must be nice to be like a professional athlete. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. So you, you, you realize that they're, they're going hard all year long and then they get maybe one or two months off max. And that's if you're, you know, the average player, the top players. They barely take a you know a summer off. They're in conditioning. They're doing this. Yep. They, they're like, you talk about holding that gold Olympic medal. You're talking about like, and that just makes me think. Um, and I just came back from a conference. I was at uh, you know, I was at Click Funnels Funnel Hacking Live in right, Orlando nice. with Russell Brunson. You know those guys, and there's tons yes. of awards being given: two Comma Club Award, two CC, all that stuff, and a lot of heavy hitters in the industry. And, you know, you start to realize that um, you really want to define what it is that you don't want to do. Um, and, and, or, or I should preface by saying, I should re-say this. You really want to think about what it is that you want to be a battle every day. What battle do you want to choose? It's not the success. Yes. Success is sexy. It's, it's sexy everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like being a musician, like you said, 
being, you know, a professional athlete, being a singer, being whatever it is. Even if you think of Elon Musk, you look at a guy like that. Oh, I would love to have my company, all that. You have not seen the day to day. What you're seeing is an event that's projected of like, this is the outcome. This is the finished product, or at least one of the iterative releases of that finished product. But the behind the scenes, you have to almost think about what battle do I want to face every single day and go with that as the passion? Because that passion, just like you said, it's, it's going to be on the other side of that passion is going to be obstacles and challenges. And that's what you want to define. So I think you actually helped me bring that full circle, Nick. And I would love to hear if you agree with that, or do you feel that there is actually another sort of, you know, area that we can tap into that's not talked about? Like, can you truly find something that you love doing every day? Or is there a little bit of, it's kind of like a double-edged sword of, if it's kind of like what you love and hate at the same time. I'm curious. We'll be right back. I would say so. I think it's something that you kind of love and hate. It's something that, well, I think the natural condition of all life is struggle. And that was defined by Charles Darwin and his on the origin of species. And I think it applies to everything else. So for us, it, it is the challenge of the things that we like that makes it worthwhile. Think about video games. If it's too easy, we stop playing them. We don't care about them anymore. If, if they're impossible, then you don't want to play either. Is the challenge and you becoming better because of that challenge that makes it good. I remember replaying a game that I played many years ago. And every step of the way, like, I hate this part. It's so hard. I hate this part. It's so hard. And like, then why did I like this game? <laughs> yeah. But it's the, it's the becoming better. The game is forcing you to be better. And in that growth, we find fulfillment. So I think it's any passion would always have that duality. Of like it's challenging, Reality. it's difficult, but then you enjoy it and you enjoy coming out of the other side. But it's not meant to be in uh, like joyful all the time. It's not meant to be happy all the time. Uh, the last point that I wanted to bring up when you mentioned the athletes, and I'm not a big sports fan. I don't really watch much sports, especially not um, like NFL stuff. But I know it's very popular in the states. And uh, whatever your opinion is about Tom Brady, I've heard an interview from him. And he said something, it just shocked me. And when I hear it, it just brings me goosebumps. He was saying, if you're going to compete against me, you better be willing to give up your life because I've given up mine. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's the definition of mastery. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. I, I couldn't agree more. I, 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 so on that, Nick, I'm so glad you went there because I have this conversation with my fiance all the time um, because, you know, she's with an entrepreneur and, you know, just being obsessed with, with something. And what I've realized, you, you watch documentaries all the time of people who have really made it. And I don't know anyone who's made it who is, was not obsessed and didn't put that thing first. Like, yep. it, it's like you talk about sacrifice on a whole nother level and people always want to talk about balance, but I don't, I don't really believe in that. Like, I think you, that doesn't happen by chance. Yeah. It doesn't happen by chance. It's a decision. You need to decide to become a master and make the sacrifices to get there. Yeah. Do you believe, do you believe in balance? I believe in balance. Is that what you're looking for? But think about it this way. If you find the things that is most fulfilling to you, why would you want to put your time anywhere else? Mm. That would be the diversifying f- for the wrong reasons. 
So yeah. I remember reading about Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, and they were saying uh, people complain about our portfolios that are so focused, like a couple of maybe four or five different companies that they put most of their money in. And what they were explaining is like, why, if we have Michael Jordan, why would we put someone else to get the ball more time just because, hey, Michael is dominating the game? Like, you Let's keep giving the ball to Michael. Like, give it the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, in that yeah. sense, if you found something that it's really, it brings you so much value to your life, why would you try to balance? You would try to keep that as your top and give it your prime time. And then, yes, of course, if you do have a family, if you decided to go into a family, then you have a responsibility to also be there. I remember watching the documentary from Thomas Edison and his younger daughter would not recognize him because he spent so much time in the lab. And at one point they're like, man, either be responsible and not have a family because you were not willing to be there and then just dedicate your life to your lab or then have some balance because now you have like other responsibilities and other people that also count on you. So that's kind of when it goes. Can I challenge that for a second? Because I heard Tim Grover say something very interesting. Mm -hmm. Tim Grover was the trainer of Michael Jordan for our listeners who may not know. Uh, He's he's trained, I think, even Kobe as well. uh, Pretty high high level uh, individuals, if I'm correct, right? Kobe too, yes. Kobe too. So this trainer means business. And with that comes a level of dedication. Like you need to be where that athlete is all the time because that Mm -hmm. athlete especially like a Michael Jordan or a Kobe Bryant, they're going to live and breathe basketball, which means their trainer is also going to live and breathe basketball. And he was living, leaving his home for another trip. And his daughter, young kid, young cute kid asks him, Hey, Hey dad, you know, where are you going? And, and, you know, why, why, why are you going on this trip again? He's like, um, cause, cause daddy needs to put food on the table. Um, and by the way, I'm paraphrasing. All right, guys. And so, and, and so the daughter looks back at him and says, well, if I eat less, will you not leave as much? And that was like a, you know, a very emotional moment for him. And now he had two decisions to make, right? The fairy tale is all right. Hey, Mike, sorry. You know, I got to spend time with my daughter. I just, you know, she just hit me with a very emotional or no, let me show you, and this is what may, may sway you this way, or, or maybe kind of give you a little insight to our listeners here as well, Nick, is you have to be able to show sacrifice and then have the ability to show the results that come from that sacrifice. So 20 years later, when they talked about that moment, the daughter is like, I'm so glad you went on that trip because you showed me what sacrifice was all about. And then obviously you've proved and was able to show how our family benefited from those sacrifices that you took. So um, that is an interesting thing because I think we're going back to, do you have balance? I think there's a difference between being balanced and then also exemplifying sacrifice in your life to become a master which then if you truly are a master, it benefits more than just you in your life. What are your thoughts on that, Nick? That's a very good point. And I read his book too. I loved him, uh, by the way. Yeah, I remember too. that story and, and thinking about it, like that shows what dedication and really going after mastery is all about. I don't, 
I don't have kids. I don't know how it would feel. And part of the reason is that I am very obsessed with my thing. So I don't know how, uh, how much neglect I would have or how, how absent I would be. Let's not call it neglect, just how absent I would be. And then what would be the repercussions of that side on their lives? So I think it will be on a case-to-case basis. But um, in the end, yes, he, he, decided, he made that decision. And that's what seems to be the most important thing for him. And it was, it said an example. I don't know if for any reason, the daughter at one point would say like that was never home. I don't know. I don't know. And I'm just, I would be the right thing on, on either side. And maybe that was the right thing. I don't have any balance in my life, so yeah. (laughs) but, but there's nothing depending on me. There's, there's no one that I really, I should be there for. Well, I'm, I'm challenging this narrative that you do need to have balance at one point, because I'm more of the, you know, when I'm thinking about it, uh, I, I think I had a peer who, who had posted this. He's like, I don't believe in balance. I believe in integration. And so if you are going to be on the court, if you're going to be in the studio, why can't you bring your kid to write with you? Why do you need to be absent one yeah. or the other? Why, why can't, why can you integrate them into your life? If you're speaking at a conference, why can't you be successful enough to fly your family? So they see what you do and they see your sacrifice. Why can't you yes. do that? So that's where I'm at. And I'm, I'm kind of speaking on, on just what I believe in. It's an interesting conversation because I think one thing I've heard is balance. um, Or I should say this sacrifice from, from what I see and from what I'm I'm observing around me happens at an extreme, but it doesn't have to be that way for the rest of your life. And I think it's kind of like, you know, there's training periods. There's, 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 inflection points in your life where you really need to step on the gas and then there'll be a time where you can actually yes. let that momentum and let that team like whatever it is that moat behind you kind of do the carrying so now is that a balanced life if you want to get macro or micro whatever right like but i do i'm look i, I like that message because i think for for you know as far as where we've come i think I don't want to use the word. I think men, being mentally um, dedicated and driven and, and mentally, even I, I want to challenge how you even said is this uh, absent. I, I don't necessarily think you would be absent or negligent. I know you took that word back. I don't yes. think it would be that. I think it would be you exemplifying the dedication that you have for your craft. And I think more good can come from that. Like I wouldn't look at Kobe Bryant or Michael Jordan and say, or was he, was he a bad father because he spent so much time in the gym? I think otherwise, I think that impact that he left and that legacy that he left for his family is going to put them in a better situation than someone who is spending time and balancing and doing the gray area stuff. So I don't know. That's just me though. Experiment nation. I would love to hear what you guys think, man. I mean, we got Nick here. We opened up a real great great discussion. Yes. I, and I don't have the answer for that. I wouldn't know what would be the right way to do it? I think I know what's the right way for me. I'm really obsessed Absolutely. with my things. That's key. And, and I love just going insane on whatever subject I'm on and yeah. uh, just avoiding everything else. So many times the rest, the other parts of my life take a hit, I, but I'm satisfied with that because when I'm obsessed, I, that feeling is, is that I, I'm angry that I have to go to bed and sleep. Yeah, feels dude. that way. <laughs> this, this is my guy. This is my guy. I, I, I that's the same. I, there's too, there's too many hours I want to get back. You know, I did a TEDx talk on how to get more than 24 hours in your day, and that's why I went with with 
with mm-hmm. counting on other people because I, I want to get so much time back. But listen, yeah. speaking of time, I've already taken up uh, or, or we've we've kind of invested so much time into the lab. I, I want to I definitely want to ask you this. You know, you came on, you wrote a book, Learn, Improve, Master. I wanted to ask you, what was one of the biggest key takeaways when it comes to, you know, I want to leave the, the, the listeners something kind of, you know, uh, foundational that they can apply and tactical. I think you've already done a wonderful job. My biggest key takeaway was like one to two months. I think that even goes with what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're consuming, what you're doing. Like if you're really in it is what am I doing is what I'm reading is what I'm educating myself in is what I'm submerging myself in helping me get to that next step within one, two months. I appreciate you sharing that, Nick. Is there anything uh, else that you feel that, um, and I don't want you to go broad on this. I want this to be like something that that was a key thing that you, you feel really hit you when you were writing your book and doing your research in your time and time of being such a resourceful gentleman of being able to tap into a lot of resources for us to become masters and for us to get to that next uh, level. What other thing is you think is a, is a, is something that our listeners might be overlooking that is so critical. I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm sure there might be so many things. Is there yes. something that comes to mind first? Yeah. The first thing overlook? that comes to mind is I'm going to tell you a story. I was watching a documentary from Usain Bolt. Hmm. So for anyone who hasn't heard about Usain Bolt by any chance, he's like the greatest printer in history. And so I was watching the documentary and he was practicing, he was running and then he stops and starts throwing up. And then he keeps running like nothing happened. I'm like, wait, what? And, and I thought they put that for dramatic purposes. And then he's talking and he said, well, after this other time when I lost to this guy, Blake, on some championship, I put such a hard work that I was throwing up every day. And in my mind, I was thinking, like, how is this possible? Like, I'm really not pushing myself enough. We see him at the Olympic, like doing his poses. And, and smiling and we think it comes so easily to him and it doesn't and then he says look sometimes you wake up and you don't want to go train because you know it's going to be hard you're going to throw up and you just don't want to and you, all you want to do is quit and my mind tells me go play golf go do something else it's enough but then I wake up and I still go and I train and people don't understand how hard it is so the message there is like, even the people that we admire that make it look so easy, they're putting in so much work behind the scenes. And the reason they got so far is because of that. They do the work every day, whether they feel like it or not. Motivation is for amateurs. These people go in and out every single day, birthdays, holidays, it doesn't matter. They're there. So we are supposed to do the same. If we want to be masters, we got to start behaving like masters. Want to be champions, we have to behave like champions so another part to that is that bob bowman the um trainer for michael phelps used to tell him like what are you going to wait until you have a gold medal to act like a champion no it's Mm. acting like a champion that's going to get you the gold medal so that's the thing we gotta keep in mind is doing the work every single day yeah wow okay i i want to piggyback this because you just enlightened me and, and you're helping me bring this full circle because I, I, at this conference, uh, I had someone speak who said, and it's going to be right in alignment with what you just said, um, you know, the person that you you admire the most or, or the person who's got it, has got it figured out. You're like, man, I want to be like that person. If that person was just shadowing you 
every single day into your journey, would you be proud to show them what you've accomplished each and every single day if they were literally just watching you? Whoever it is, whether it's a coach, a trainer, somebody you're trying to be like who's literally just taking notes and watching you throughout your day. And that made me think, oh, wow. Like the real question is, are you being the person that you need to become to get to that goal that you want to be every single day before you got there? That's what that, that's how it hit me when you just said that is 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 being that gold medalist before you get the medal each and every single day. Whew. Oh, man. So cool thing is that the motto for the um, Olympic Committee for the U.S. says it's not every four years. It's every day. <laughs> Gosh, so how are you doing this to us? <laughs> so good. I might have to get that on the wall somewhere. Jeez. I know, right? I know. Oh, yeah. man. And we don't think about it that way because we only see the end performance. Yeah. So, so let's, 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 let's put a bow on this, man. Let's, if, if I'm, a, if I'm listening to this, okay, I heard, I heard you, Nick, I heard you, Ruben, you know, we're talking, by the way, we're, we're literally, uh, uh, again, the reason I have this show is because I, I want to surround myself by, by like-minded individuals like Nick, who's on his journey, who's doing the work, who's, who's, again, I love having practitioners, um, Nick, you know, to, to put a bow on this, what does it look like? I call it experimenting, right? Experimenting for me, and I didn't get a chance to say this, is, is, is uh, it's like an hourglass, right? It's like going broad first to get a taste of like, oh, maybe I don't want this kind of struggle every day. And then once you do find it, doubling down on it, uh, doubling mm-hmm. down. And then later on, if you want to diversify and be like, okay, I've written books, I've done that, then now I can pour some of that expertise out into other fields and you've seen other people do that once they've dominated and have a large portfolio then they go wide you don't start to start to do everything first i think in the beginning do it to get a taste then double down then go broad again so Mm -hmm. if someone's looking to do this just to, to to tie this all together um you know what what is it that I should keep in mind what does my day-to-day look like I'm curious tactically like what is it that has helped you or you feel that has been out there that has worked to help one is it journaling is it saying a gratitude list before my days and looking at my goals every day like what truly works for us humans because one thing and this is a long-winded question guys you know how I do it one thing I've realized is the brain is there to protect us Yep. To say, hey, you're throwing up, you saying, give it, you know, you're done, quit, or come on, you really think you can attain that? Go back to the comfort level. So it's always trying to pull us back. What are some things that you have found allows us to help overcome these things? And do you do you, is there something that you've you found or researched on or practice yourself that helps you get through that day so that you can be the gold medalist in your respective field? Yes. Okay. So two things. And I hope we still have just a little bit of time because uh, I would like to leave you with one message of something that really worked out in my life. But for that, of like overcoming that resistance, the battle never gets, well, the, the battle is going to be there every day, but it gets easier to fight. So the more you win it, the more confident you come to that battle every day. It's a challenge for me to work out every day, 
but I know from a chain of days that I've been working out like years now that I work out every single day, but unless I'm very sick, that I can't do it, that even though there's resistance, I'm going to be able to overcome it. So the more you do it, the more you win that fight, like the easier it is to come in with confidence, knowing like I've done this so many other times, I know I can do it again. Now think about it like this. I've read this example somewhere where it says, imagine this is somewhat of a cold day and you want to jump in the pool. You know, it's going to be cold and you don't want to jump and it's kind of resistance. You don't want to do it. You have to force yourself to do it. Once you're there, then you have fun and you're in the pool already. You're wet and, and now you're just having fun there. The next day you're warm again and you're looking at the pool and you know, you got to jump and you don't want to jump again. <laughs> so every day is like looking at the cold pool when you're warm, you know, it's going to be hard, but the more you do it, the more, you know, you can't do it again. So you build that confidence in a way. Confidence comes also from experience. It's like, I've done this so many other times. I know that I can do it. I know it's in me. I know that I've like fought this fight many times and I can still win. Something that happened to me in working out is sometimes I feel no motivation, like no energy to work out. And I still go to the gym. Uh, I have like a home gym downstairs and I sit there and I'm just waiting for the motivation to strike. And you know what? It never comes. So I get tired of waiting. I just stand up and work out. <laughs> so just, oh you just do it. Um, so that's on the sense of like how to overcome that negative voice is you get used to hearing it, but you pay less attention to it, but it's always going to be there. It never goes away. The anxiety or the resistance never goes away, but you learn to just live with it, go with it. So that's that. And then the second thing, this is very tactical and it's uh, for people to, to put to use right now, especially has to do with investing. So when the pandemic hit, I knew it was my time to get into stocks. I saw the stock market crash and I had been waiting for a crash for a long time. Now, the distinction here is that I had been waiting for a crash, but I had not been preparing for a crash. I came into the market and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I got into the wrong instruments and I ended up losing a lot of money. So there's a big difference between waiting for your opportunity and be preparing for your opportunity. The opposite happened to me in real estate. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any deals in front of me, but I was taking the MLS and then I contacted an agent and say, send me everything you have, every deal that comes through you and then analyzing the numbers. And even though I didn't have the money yet, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I was learning what's a good deal. Why is it good? Why is this thing different? Why is it priced this way? Uh, what could I to improve it and what's the what's the cap rate what is the return investment what's the cash and cash return what kind of financing i could get for something like this different versus semi-commercial or commercial and how the financing influences the attractiveness of the deal so i was preparing and the time i had some money lined up and i lined up the deal i knew i was what i was doing so it was a completely different experience for real estate i was preparing and i prepared for a year before i got my hands into a deal but then for stocks i had just been waiting not preparing so the lesson here is maybe you're waiting for your big break but are you preparing for your big break are you preparing for that opportunity do you know enough that you could recognize it as an opportunity when it comes so be doing the work even if you can't really take the big actions you want to take right now practicing doesn't take anything you can shop around you can analyze deals all day long cost you nothing same with stocks you can open up a practice training account and trade all you want until you know how to do it, until you know what you're doing. And then once you've been in that water for a while, but in a safe environment, it's a practice environment, 
then you'll know when the opportunities come. You'll be able to see them and you'll know how to seize them. Mm, my goodness, we got to quote this guy all the time. Jeez, I love that. <laughs> uh, listen, man, um, I like how you brought that full circle because I hear a lot of the, uh, oh, I think it's right here, the uh, compound effect mm. with Darren Hardy. Um, if you guys are listening, I pulled out the compound effect by Darren Hardy. And what I like about what you said is uh, you keep on saying these things and I listen closely. You also got to listen to success and how it, how it sounds, right? Every day, uh, doing it anyway, um, doing something like it's activity, right? Success is determined by activity as well. And, and, and Nick, you know, you put it so, so simply as well. And because that's what it is, it's, it's easy not to do. And it's also, it's easy to do. And it's also easy not to do. And that's the challenge. Uh, yeah. being able to be consistent every day for a year you know if if you you know if you're prepared you don't have to get prepared if you're ready you don't have to get ready and that's how you're able to capitalize on opportunities and if you notice we didn't even spend so much time talking about real estate or, or business per se because it all goes back to the same fundamentals right whether you're on the track whether you're trying to be a best-selling author whether you're trying to compete whether you're trying to land your 100 unit deal you don't have the capital yet. You don't have the connections yet, but are you, are you, are you going to every meetup? Are you going to, are you making introductions? Are you analyzing deals? Are you telling your broker why you didn't, you know, sign up for those deals, constant communication? Are you getting on podcasts, right? To form those relationships. Are you right? Like it's that consistent thing. And if you look at any track record, successful track record, there is that proof in the pudding that that relentless repetition, repetition, repetition. And you know, learn, improve, and master. So, Nick, you came in here. You really just, you know, we we had some really great discussions around really the mindset, you know, that it takes. Uh, I gotta ask you this because I always like to, you know, these are these are good reference points for us. What's next for you, brother? I mean, I'm 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 you know I'm very you know first of all I gotta get my hands on your book. That's a fact. So we're gonna make sure we do that. And and I'm nice. a man of my word. So I'll make sure we get that. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Learn, improve, master. But as for you, you talk about the obsession that you have. You talk about you, you know, maybe the the commitment with you that you have in in your drive. What's the what's next for you? What do you want us when we when we we invite you in the lab next? What's gonna be that new version of Nick? Uh, so that we can hear it here first. Come on, man. Well, Talk to us, brother. Yes. So I'm going to be working more in things that people would not be able to measure. So there are things that are mostly internal. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of like self-development part that you don't really get credit for that. Or you don't get a diploma yeah. for that. Um, part of it is also I've sacrificed so much over the years for my business, for my my hobbies and other things. And I put aside a lot of my, my friends, my family, and it's coming to that place where, Hey, I always push it aside because I thought, you know what, first, let me make this money. And first, let me make these other things. And he ended up thinking longer than I thought. <laughs> it always does. Yeah, it always does. <laughs> so now you, I'm thinking life is really all about people. And I keep this in mind, this quote from Christopher Hitchens that he says, the bad thing about growing old is that you can't make new old friends. And that just shook me. It's like, I've been neglecting some of my friendships and not spending that much time, let's say with my mom. And 
you see life just moving so fast. It's like, I never imagined to be this age or my brother who's older. And it's like, we haven't spent time in, in so many years. So I'm taking a step back, let's say on the business side of it, because there's always time to make more money, but you never know like when those people are going to go away, you know? So a few things that happened this year, like losing people and, and things like that, that just put it in perspective and said to me, like, what do you really value? And do you really want to look back and remember your time spending eight hours a day trading the market? So I was trading a lot for the past year. Now I'm just investing, which is different. So I'm placing some positions and kind of just sitting on my ass and letting them grow. Uh, yeah. But before I was trading a lot of options and it was doing really well. I was making money, but I felt I'm spending eight hours on this and it's not my passion. It doesn't bring me fulfillment. It's only putting zeros in my bank account. Do I really want to look back to that? Not so much. So I think uh, what I'd be working on is not something that I can brag about or show some scorecard is going to be a lot of myself is going to be writing philosophy, which I love, but maybe I'll never publish it because it's just inner thoughts. It's just organizing thoughts. Writing is thinking on paper. I love thinking, mm. but all these are kind of aphorisms and things that are really loose. And so I don't think they will see the light of day, but that brings me a lot of uh, satisfaction. So that's what I'm going to be working on. I guess if, whenever you see me again, it will just come across in me being more calm and more fulfilled other than something that I can show. I don't know. Oh man, that's even better. That's seriously, that's, you know, I wasn't even looking for that. I just want to know where you were going internally. I mean, it should, you, you have to be there internally first and, and then even externally will show and whether that's your spirit, whether that's your, your mind, your peace of mind, yes. uh, the connections in your life. I mean, those are the, the most important things we can't measure. So exactly. yeah, don't, don't sleep on that experimentation. We'll definitely tune in with you. We'll definitely uh, look forward to that growth. And um, where can we, you know, I know there's unlimitedmastery.com, if I'm correct, but is there any other place you'd like to uh, have the listeners plug into your world so that they can tap in and learn, improve, and become masters of their own craft? Sure. So the book is called Learn, Improve, Master, and the easiest place to get would be Amazon. Then my blog is unlimitedmastery.com. And there I have the, the handles for social media. I tend to hang out on Instagram the most. So if you want to send a message, just chat about something, you have questions, I'm always glad to talk. So Yeah, and don't, don't be shy. Let them know where you came yeah. from too because mm -hmm. you unfold a lot of great stuff. Experimentation, you heard him live in here in the lab, Nick. I can't thank you enough for coming on in, stepping into the lab with us, wearing your lab coat and giving us a lot of gems, giving us a lot of inspiration. And uh, just like that, brother, we can't wait to see you next time. And just like that, we are out. If you're a real estate professional, a real estate agent, a real estate investor, a lender, a multifamily syndicator, a contractor, you name it, and you're looking to grow your online presence, but you have no idea how to get started or simply don't have the time, at Invested Talent, we help real estate professionals extend their current business to social media. Why is this important? Without this, you wouldn't be listening to this show and your own host, Ruben Kanya and his team would not have done deals they've done today. As a matter of fact, social media has helped us keep this show together, which now exceeds a billion dollars worth of real estate from our guests collectively. That's right. Our reputation, opportunities, partnerships, and most importantly, real estate transactions were started directly from social media. If you're a real estate professional and you lack an existence on a media platform, invested talent can help. 
simply go to investedtalent.com forward slash social media and make sure you click the get in touch button to get in touch with our team. Again, that's investedtalent.com forward slash social media and get in touch with our team. You focus on being the brand and we'll help you build it. Now, if you know anything about the lab, you know that we like to give practical advice. So if you feel that this podcast was of any value to you, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes by going directly to the podcast app. From the show's page, scroll all the way down and leave us a review. If you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment. Lastly, and most importantly, share this episode with a friend you feel will benefit this episode the most. Remember, there's a you and I in build. Let's build, y'all.